All right, and so this week, we are, we're taking a, a week break from Ephesians, to which some of you are saying, amen, and uh, you know, that's a sin issue, but uh, because today is our Find a Mentor Sunday, and so uh, we're, we, we thought, usually we just kind of do it alongside the series, and, and we have Find a Mentor Sunday be part of that, but this, this year, we kind of thought, hey, we, we, we really care about our mentorship program, and we really want to give it more gas, so to speak. And so this whole sermon is going to be uh, about our mentorship program, okay? And so I really have three goals for today, is I want to teach kind of our vision as as a church on on how we uh, mentor and why we mentor, Um, And then I want to celebrate. I want to celebrate what God's doing through the mentors here and the mentees here and and, and celebrate that and take joy in that. And then um, I also want to motivate us. I want to motivate us either to become mentors or I want to motivate us to find a mentor. And so if you're new to our church, this might be confusing, but a big part of our church is we really try to get people in intentional relationships where they have a mentor, someone who is more mature in the faith, to walk, aso- walk alongside with in life and, and, and bring them and help them become more like Jesus. Um, and the person we put with that mentor, we often call them a mentee, okay? It's a very technical term. And so a mentee is just really anyone uh, that's being mentored by someone in our church. So you're going to hear me use those two phrases a lot. I just wanted to tell you what they were on the front end. And so let's get into our vision and why we mentor here. Uh, If you'll open up your Bibles to Matthew 28, uh, we're going to be in verses 16 through 20. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. And it says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, if you grew up in church or if you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard this verse read many, 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 many times. And unfortunately, in, in, in the American church, and maybe this is just my experience and my baggage coming forth, but unfortunately, I think sometimes the way this verse is treated is kind of like, our, like our, our sales vision as a church. Like we, we read this and we say, now go out there and make converts. Make sure we make Christianity really big. Make sure our churches are really big. Make sure we, we get a lot of people that, that pr- proclaim and, and become Christians. Now, part of that is there. I think part of that is surely that we, we are supposed to go out, we are supposed to evangelize, we are supposed to be witnesses to what God has done in our life and what God has done in this world, but I think there is something we missed there, and it's this idea of how Jesus didn't say just go out and make Christians, but he said go out and make disciples. And that's key because in Jesus' day, that term disciple, maybe it means something similar to to our day, but in Jesus' day, a disciple was was basically this. There was these different teaching rabbis 
that would go around and teach the Old Testament, and they would have their different views and strands and ways of teaching the Old Testament. And all Jewish boys would kind of go through these, these different rigorous schoolings throughout their childhood, and if they excelled in one, they'd go on to the next. And so by the time they were an adult, uh, and they kind of passed through all this sort of schooling, they would find a rabbi and that they uh, aligned with their teaching, and, and they would go up to the rabbi and they would say, hey, can I be your disciple? Can I be your disciple? And then the, the rabbi would, would take this young Jewish boy and, and say, uh, ask him a series of questions and quiz them. And, and, and the rabbi really, they wanted to know, will this, this kid, this person, will they be able to uh, after I die, continue to teach what I taught? Will they be, be able to push forward what I taught? And so this was kind of the picture and vision for, for disciples in that time. But Jesus, he comes along, who many people call a rabbi throughout the, the Gospels. Jesus comes along and he does things a little bit different. He gives us a different vision for discipleship. So often the disciples would go to the rabbi and kind of beg the rabbi to let them be a disciple. Jesus went to some people and asked them to be his disciples. And then in this picture, Jesus also, when he's given us what we know as the Great Commission, what we call the Great Commission, he's saying that now the goal of his disciples is to go and make disciples of all nations, that everyone that puts their faith in Jesus becomes a disciple of Jesus. This was a radically different view than, than what the rabbis of the day were doing. And so what I think we miss sometimes in this text is that, that Jesus has us not just only in the witnessing business, but he has us in the disciple-making business. And Jesus' version of a disciple is someone that looks like he looks. So someone that would say that they're a disciple of Jesus, they would live life the way that Jesus lived life. Yes, they would also teach things the way that Jesus taught things. They would speak about things, about the ways that Jesus spoke about things. And so what I think we miss when we read this verse sometimes is we see it kind of as this like, hey, this sales call to get in more people in the church. And we forget about just kind of the... the the implication that the discipleship is this process uh, where we are in an ongoing fashion trying to form each other into Jesus. We're trying to help each other become and look like Jesus. And so here at Redemption, we say we want to disciple the church to reach the unchurch. And so we want everything that we do here to be discipleship. We want the, the sermon to, to disciple you. We want Sunday services to disciple you. We want our redemption communities or our RCs, as we call them, to disciple you. And we also want our mentorship to disciple you. And so the reason why we call our mentorship mentorship and not discipleship is because we want everything that we're doing here to be some sort of discipleship. And so, and then also, we also just see throughout the New Testament this posture of mentorship by Jesus and by the early church, where people that were more mature in the faith would take those younger in the faith and mentor them and be in their life and, and cause them to know God more, cause them to be more like God. And so I want to look at a, a few glimpses of that in the New Testament um, before we move on. So this pattern of, of mentoring that we see, we first see it with Jesus, right? He takes the 12 disciples, 
He's in their life. They're in his life. They're together all the time for three years. They're seeing everything that Jesus does. Sometimes I wish, I know sometimes we're like, man, I wish I could have talked to Jesus. Sometimes I wish I could talk just to the disciples, like have a lunch with them, be like, what was he like? And just see how they would interpret Jesus and talk about Jesus because I think it would be a fun convo. But Jesus was their mentor, these, these, 12, these 12 men. But Jesus, he didn't stop his mentoring just with the 12. He actually even took three of the 12, and he kind of even mentored them even a little bit more closely. You'll see these different stories with Peter, James, and John, where they go up on the mount, and they see the transfiguration, and, and they're with Jesus. Or they go in, and they see some miraculous healing. And so Peter, James, and John, who, who later become major leaders in the church, they they got this closer glimpse into Jesus because of this intentional mentorship that Jesus did. But Jesus didn't leave his mentorship to just even the 12 and, the, and then the three. He, he even mentored on a bigger level too. Uh, he would basically, anyone that was kind of following around Jesus would be known as followers of Jesus or even disciples of Jesus at times. And at one point, and you'll see this in Luke chapter 10, he takes 72 people and he gives them these marching orders to go out. And he basically just tells them like, hey, go out into all the towns around us and be me in those towns. Go out there and do what I'm doing. And so he goes, go out, bring the kingdom of God, heal, cast out demons, do all these things. So he sends out 72 to that. So part of our posture towards mentoring and why we care about mentoring so much is because we really see that Jesus was very intentional with how he mentored people. We also see this in Acts. Uh, throughout Acts, we see this ongoing um, process of, of those more mature in the faith uh, mentoring or discipling those younger in the faith. And so one of my favorite couples or, care, or people in, in Acts is Priscilla and Aquila. And this is a husband and wife. And uh, you just see them doing different things and you just see their faithfulness throughout the book of Acts. But one of my favorite stories is there's this guy, Apollos, who is out preaching. And we know from other parts of the New Testament that he was just a gifted preacher. He was, you know, he was a Vince Garvey, if you will. And so he, uh, <laughs> he, he's out here preaching about God and <clears throat> Priscilla and Aquila hear it and they, see, they hear it and they go, well, he's, he's a little bit off on some things. And so they privately bring Apollos into their home, I believe, and they began to teach him and mentor him so that he would understand what it says, the way of God, more accurately. Um, we see uh, Paul and Barnabas, uh, the great, great missionaries of, of Acts. Uh, they've got this guy, John Mark, that they bring along and mentor and show how to do ministry. And they even get in a fight about whether they should continue mentoring him at one point or invite him back in because he took off at one point and, and they split off because of that. We see Paul specifically, uh, he had these intimate relationships with a lot of younger men. Um, where he was mentoring them and guiding them and helping them know what it meant to be a leader in the church or to serve Jesus well. And so he uh, was close with Silas. Uh, he was close with Timothy, um, who he calls uh, like a son, in a sense, like Paul relates to him as a son. And then we even see Timothy had his grandmother, Lois, I believe, who, who cared and, and showed Timothy the way. And so all throughout the New Testament, all throughout the early church, we see that the Christians took this posture, posture of, of mentoring one another, 
of those that were more mature in the faith would take those that are younger in the faith and, and, and help them become more mature and help them understand Jesus more and help them understand uh, uh, what it meant to walk out being Jesus in their world. And so because of all of this, we have a deep conviction to get people into mentor uh, relationships. And so we do it in an intentional way. And it, it's weird for some people. Like we just pair up people randomly sometimes. And you'll see how it goes later. But we'll have you guys walk up potentially to a mentor and just pair up and see if it works out. And it's hard for people. But I think what I love about this is it, it, it forces us as a church to actually be involved in the ongoing discipleship through mentor, mentorship it, that, that should be taking place in the local church. And so um, here's what I want to do for the rest of the sermon. I want to celebrate some stories from the mentorship program, but I also want some of these stories and some of the things that we talk about to motivate us because I, I really want these stories, one, to celebrate because often uh, leaders will say, as a church, you are what you celebrate. And, and I, I'm thankful for that because I think a lot of times we celebrate God and we celebrate who he is and we behold him and we praise him and it causes us to have a deep love for God in our midst and I think that is so important. But sometimes I think what we miss is we don't celebrate what God's doing through his church, what God's doing through you guys and how God is using you guys specifically to bring the gospel and to be Jesus in our city. And so I wanna just take time to celebrate that. But I also want different moments of this to motivate us I want it to motivate us in a few ways. One way is really I just want it to motivate. Some of you should be mentors in here. That's just the case. Like you have been walking with Christ for a long time, and for whatever reason you're not mentoring anyone, and you, you just should. And I, think, I want to motivate you to step into that if you have the time and the capacity. Um, secondly, I want it to motivate anyone in here that doesn't have a mentor, who knows they need one, who's like, I don't have older people speaking into my life, helping me know what it means to be a faithful witness to Jesus in this world, okay? So that's what I want to do here. I want to celebrate, and I want to motivate us uh, as it, in regards to Mentor Sunday. So this part of the sermon is going to look pretty different um, than uh, what a lot of our sermons look like. So Let's just hop into one mentor story. I asked a bunch of our mentees, hey, can you guys give me some good stories about your mentors, how they impacted you, how they changed your life? And most of this was via email. Some was over the phone or in person. And so our first mentor story, and Nate, you could go ahead and put up the picture of Justin and Anna. This, um, Justin and Anna Singleton. This is them, beautiful couple. Um, they, they were one of our first um, mentors at a Find a Mentor Sunday uh, about four years ago now. I need to take a drink. And they're, the people that are being mentored by them are named Mikey Robinson and his wife Maggie. And this is what Maggie writes about them. He goes, On the mentorship Sunday that we met, me and Maggie were a young married couple, madly in love, but very young, and in need of some friends who could help share their experiences and knowledge. God was able to overcome my prideful thoughts of being too cool for a mentor or not in need of one at all. And we went up to the front after church and our lives have changed and will always be the better for it. Uh, Mikey also noted to me in his email he, he, that Justin just showed him so much about life and God. And he says this, he showed me what, it, what the meaning of being a husband and a father was through the definition of Jesus and the Bible. Before this, 
I, I never really had an opportunity to be up close and personal with someone who was going through this, the, the struggles and joys of being both a husband and father and using the Bible to help shape his actions and love his family in, amazing, in an amazing way. I love this story of mentorship. One, because it's been going on for years now, and, and Mikey, who's been the one being mentored, he, he sees it as incredibly rich. But what I love is that he noted is he had no example of that before him. And it reminds me of when Jesus, there were some people that were having trouble leaving their family or becoming Christians because it would essentially mean leaving their family. And Jesus said, listen, when you come into the family of God, you get more brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers than you'll know what to do with. And I think we see a picture of this here, that Mikey uh, got a picture of what it means to be a father and a husband through Justin, that Maggie got a picture of what it means to be a mother and a wife through Anna. Mikey also, he, he told me that uh, his email didn't even begin to scratch the surface of the love that Anna and Justin have shown him and Maggie. And then he also noted how Justin's been able to show him how to love God's good gifts, what it, what it looks like to chase after Jesus consistently. And, and then they, just, they both just gave them a ton of time and wisdom. And so Justin and Anna, I don't know if you're here today, but Justin and Anna, I, I'm so thankful for you. Thank you for mentoring in our church. Thank you for being Jesus in our church. Thank you for helping Mikey and Maggie to become more like Jesus. Um, You've really made an impact. So thank you, Justin and Anna. Um, All right, the next mentorship story is this. Uh, You can take that picture down if you want. The next uh, mentorship story is this. I want to look at um, kind of what I call generational mentorship. So this is where one mentor um, uh, mentors a mentee for a while, and then that mentee becomes a mentor themselves, and they have a mentee as well. And so we see this beginning to happen. And this is our vision for mentorship here. We don't want just all the older people in our church only to be the mentors, but we want to duplicate this because we see that also happen in the New Testament. And so, Nate, will you put up uh, a picture of my wife, Jessica, and uh, it's our family in general. Me and Amelie's face is cut off. Um, but uh, I look sharp, though, don't I? Um, so this is my beautiful wife, Jessica, and Cora's our little baby down there. And Jessica, she, she has really been a pioneer for mentoring at our church in a lot of ways. And so that's part of why I wanted to share her story, um, not just because she's my wife, but all through her college years, something I loved and admired about Jessica and why I hollered at her in the first place was she, um, she always put herself in relationships where there were women mentoring her. She found herself in Bible studies intentionally with older women who were mentoring her or in groups or just in one-on-one meetings. And then she didn't even just do that. She would make sure to be intentional about being in peer mentoring relationships. She would find herself in relationships with uh, other peers and and intentionally uh, with the idea that they would mentor one another and chase after Jesus one another. And so uh, Jess, she, she lived and breathed mentorship. And so when we first got to uh, redemption, when we first got to Flagstaff, really, um, Jess was one of the first to really intentionally mentor some people in our church. And I, it, it's something where I'm like, this is weird to like walk up to people like, hey, can I mentor you and all this stuff? But she didn't care because she saw what was happening in the New Testament and she had experienced personally the power of the Spirit move through that sort of stuff. And so she went to three gals in our redemption community, um, Carissa, Kaylee, and Emma, and she asked those three gals, like, hey, will you just 
be in a relationship with me where we take some time once a week or every other week and we get together and, and, and we just push each other towards Jesus where, I, where I'll probably be the mentor because I'm older than all of you. And, 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 and for a, a couple of years, uh, th- this, re- this mentoring group or what we would probably now call a peer or a mentor table at, here at Redemption uh, was going on. And so... Uh, Jess, I just want to say this. Uh, I think I saw you earlier, so thank you so much for being a mentor. Thank you for being a pioneer in mentoring. And honestly, like, you've shown me so much about what it means to be a mentor and, like, how it doesn't have to be weird and how it's just a great picture of love. And so thank you for that. Um, So I wanted to bring up um, one of her mentees, Emma. I'm not bringing up the other two because they moved away and they're dead to us. And so, um, Emma, I hope you're in the room. Emma, will you come forward? Will you guys welcome Emma up here um, to ask her some questions? Woo! Thanks, guys. Um, So this is Emma. Emma is very much a part of our family now because, really because of this mentoring and there, I don't know how, but I'd find myself like going grocery shopping with Jessica's mentees at times and stuff. And it, I, I don't know. And so uh, Emma uh, is also uh, <laughs> Emma is also she just loves my daughters so well, and she just shows Omly such a picture of Jesus. And Emma is such a blessing to our family. And so Emma, I'm not emotional. Um, <laughs> Emma. Will you? I just wanted to bring her up because she has this unique perspective into mentorship because uh, she's been mentored and now she's mentored a few different gals throughout the last couple of years. And so I think she gets, she gets to see what it's like to be mentored, but she also um, uh, knows what it's like to mentor someone. And so, Emma, first, will you just introduce yourself? Tell us what you do in town. Um, yeah, just all that good stuff. I'm Emma, and I'm a teacher. And that's, that's the story. Yeah, she's, she, she likes hacky sack a lot. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, so Emma, uh, my first question for you is this, is just what has been the best thing or things about having a consistent mentor in your life the last few years? Yeah, so I've been mentored for six years by Jessica. And um, that's like, it's been really helpful uh, in the sense of context and perspective, um, just kind of mixed together. So she knows a lot about my life and a lot of where I'm coming from. And so if I tell her something's happening, she has that context. But she also has perspective outside of my family um, to really speak into my life. Um, Yeah. That's great. I love that. I love that context piece, just like how powerful that is. All right, my next question is just, what would you say to people that are hesitant in being mentored? How would you encourage them, essentially, to find a mentor? I think why people are hesitant is because it feels weird, but at our church, it's more weird if you don't have a mentor. Mm. So Preach it. Don't I love be weird. You. Get a there mentor. you go. So do it to fit in. Um, <laughs> I'm, just, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
No, but so it's a weird thing. I, I agree. And it, it just let it be weird. Who cares? There's weird things in life. Um, number three, uh, what would your advice to be to, like, any of, to all the mentees in our church, really, on how they can get the most out of being mentored? One of the biggest things that I hear from people who are mentoring at our church is that their mentee just bails on them. <laughs> and so I think just make the time. You have it. Especially, I know if you're in college, you feel like you don't have time. You have time, <laughs> so make it. And show up if you decide to um, schedule a, a meeting with them. Um, and then also that it, it does take time to get to mm. know your mentor and to feel comfortable with them. And that's not odd, I guess, if you're not comfortable with your mentor at first. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Because I think a lot of times we're like, oh, that was an awkward lunch. But then if you kind of push through, like in about 10 lunches, it's less awkward. So uh, anyways, um, <clears throat> what? so then on that same kind of note, uh, what advice would you give to the mentors in the room to be better mentors? I think finding that balance between um, pouring into their life and speaking into their life um, I think, like, I have a proclivity to want to control the situation and mm. say, hey, stop that, um, <laughs> instead of listening to what they have to say and try to understand them. Um, it's more important that you're understanding your mentee than um, being right in a situation a lot of times. Um, and that just comes with time, too, because yeah. um, you do have a right to speak into their life as well. That's really good. I like that. Um, so I feel like there's also a lot of people in our church, Emma, who I think they feel hesitant in becoming a mentor. And so how would you just encourage someone who should become a mentor to do it? Like why or how would you do it? Yeah, I think the two things that I hear the most from people who are not wanting to mentor is be, um, that they don't feel like they have the resources to give or they feel drained from their work or uh, something like that. And then also that... Um, they feel like they don't know enough. Um, but I guess my advice is you know a lot more than you think you do. Um, and that um, it's a lot more life-giving than it sounds to be pouring into someone. Wow, that's great. Um, anything else, Emma, that you just would want to comment about mentoring here at Redemption? Or? Um, nope. All right. <laughs> I thought that might happen. Um, <laughs> Well, hey, will you guys, well, first, actually, Emma, thank you so much for being a mentor in our church. I mean that. Um, I'm thankful for you in my life. Uh, you're one of my favorite people in the world. Sorry, have favorites, rest of the church. Um, but I love you a lot, and I'm so thankful that you're a mentor in our church. So will you guys give Emma a hand? So the next part of this mentor generations, as I was saying, uh, Emma is mentoring someone right now, and her name is Becca. And so, Nate, will you throw up Becca Turner's picture on the screen, please? This is Becca. Um, she, she lives in the woods. And so uh, <laughs> uh, Becca is also near and dear to my heart because she's uh, been part of my RC the last couple years now, I think. And so um, when I asked Becca specifically if she had any... Um, good mentor story, she, she, she actually emailed me and said, hey, can I call you? It's, it's just been so personal to me and it's meant a lot to me. I'd rather talk uh, over the phone or in person about it. And I said, 
sure. And so we talked, and I, I was blown away because I, I learned things about Becca that I didn't know about her, and then I just got to hear just um, about Emma's consistent mentoring in her life and how much it meant to her. And so I asked her what I could share, how I could share, and she said, yeah, hey, if you want to share all that, any of it, um, feel free. And so I told her I'm just going to kind of paraphrase her story for us a bit because I think her story is really powerful, and I think it also shows us why um, mentoring can have such an impact. And so that's Becca on the screen. Um, she mostly grew up in or around the church. And um, when Becca was 12, uh, something horrible happened. Her, her mother died. And uh, it wasn't until she was 16 that she found out that her mom had taken her own life. Um, this uh, <laughs> sent her reeling. This sent Becca into the stage where she told me that she would kind of like seek sin and different, different ways of sinning to, to kind of find happiness or joy or peace. And, and that was kind of the, the place she was in when she first came to college at NAU, when she was 18 or so. And um, she started going to redemption and she was part of redemption and uh, and. Uh, she was still just having a hard time. She was wrestling with how could God be good and allow this. She, she was wrestling. She was hurting in the midst of that. And so she, she actually started dating uh, this guy at our church, and, um, and she was wrestling through that, talking through things with him. And, and he, he encouraged her, like, hey, I think you should get a mentor. And I think he even suggested Emma uh, at one point. Becca was unsure, though. She, she felt kind of weird about it. And so a, a couple years ago, at a Find a Mentor Sunday, Emma was up here on stage introducing herself uh, as a mentor. And, and Becca said, you know what? I am, I'm just hurting so much. I, I want to go uh, talk to this person and, and ask Emma to be my mentor. And so Emma and, and Becca um, started this mentor relationship. And so there's, there's a lot of extraordinary things about this. One of them is this. And um, Emma also lost her mother at a young age of cancer. And Emma also recently lost her stepmother at, uh, of, at, due to cancer. Not a lot of us, on the whole, know what it's like to lose a mother in general. But God... In his love and his sovereignty, he brought together these two gals who know, knew what it felt like to lose a mother in order, in order to show himself and reveal himself through Emma and to show Becca who Jesus is in the midst of this. And so God, in his sovereignty, did that. And in the midst of this, uh, they began to, this, this mentor relationship, and, and Emma began to go through this uh, resource uh, with Becca. It's a workbook, and I, I only don't say the name of the workbook because I think you, uh, you need some wisdom in going through it. And so they start going through this, this workbook uh, together, and, and Emma kind of just posed it to Becca like, hey, I know you're hurting, I know you're in pain, but let's bring that pain to Jesus and ask him to heal it because Jesus is ultimately going to be the one that heals us completely. And so Becca said, okay, let's do this. And so they went through this workbook together, and, and Becca described to me, she, she said, Anthony, I have never experienced this sort of emotional healing ever in my life. She said, I've tried all kinds of things, and, and it didn't work out for me in particular. But 
going through this, having, this, having Emma as my mentor go through this workbook with me was powerful, and I felt the peace of God and the presence of God in a way that I hadn't felt before. Now, what's extraordinary about that is that same workbook my wife Jess had used with Emma, and someone had actually used that same workbook with my wife Jess. And what's also amazing about that, it's almost like Jess got to mentor Becca without ever having to sit down with her. Jess got to, like Emma, the way that Jess poured into Emma, poured into Becca in a way that that helped Becca understand God and who he is and how he loved her. And it just reminds me of really what Jesus did. Like that's really what this whole mentoring thing is. Even though you and I, we haven't got to sit down with Jesus, although we would really love to, and we one day will. In a sense, we kind of have because of mentoring, because of discipleship, because of the faithful Christians above us. And so I just find that so cool and extraordinary about this story. And so, uh, Becca, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, Thank you so much for letting us hear a lot more of your story here. Um, And then here's the last cool part, and this, uh, this was a Came to, this only came to fruition in the last few, few days. Becca's going to be up here as part of Find a Mentor Sunday, so she's going to start mentoring somebody soon too. And I just think it's cool to see how faithful God is. He is moving through his church. So I want to end on two notes from a couple of mentors and two more quick stories uh, from mentees. And so I also asked mentors around our church, I said, hey, where uh, can you share stories? What ha- where has being a mentor impacted you? What's that been like? And I got two, um, two notes from two different mentors who I'm going to keep anonymous. Um, one mentor said this. Uh, they said, I've been stoked to see how much my mentees have grown in wisdom and faithfulness. I think they both came to NAU so full of passion, and sometimes that passion can sometimes wear off or lead you to do uh, dumb things. They've been so teachable and willing to learn, even in areas they thought they were strong in. It's made for a really unhappy and blessed mentor. Um, Another mentor says this about his experience being a mentor. He says, "It, it has stretched me. It's forced me to read more, pray more, and invest more emotional energy in the life of another. It has also helped me to grow as the mentee sometimes knows more than the mentor when it comes to certain subjects. So a dose of humility is involved in the process as well. And so I want to say this to all the mentors in the room. There are many of you that have been faithful to me, faithful to our church for many years. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you for being a mentor in our church. I know it is hard work. I know it is work where you have to choose to love someone continuously and even unconditionally at times. And I'm so thankful for that because I think that our church looks more like Jesus because of your willingness to do that and your sacrifice in life to do that. So if you're a mentor here, Thank you. I I really mean that. And I want you to know I'm also here as a resource and and someone to bless you and care for you when you need it. Um, Two two mentee stories, two more mentee stories uh, before we move on to the next part of the service. Will you, Nate, will you throw up that picture of Mika and Lydia, um, please? 
So this is Mika and Lydia, uh, another couple of gals dear to my heart. They were interns with us last year, and um, they're amazing women. Mika, she uh, got saved like two Easter's ago here, and so um, her story is particularly um, special to me, and so uh, all of our stories are special, but um, because of my closeness to Mika, that's special. And so Mika, when I wrote this email, Mika had a lot to say about Lydia, and so Um, this is what she says about Lydia. Um, She said, I think that seeking a mentor very early on after I was saved was truly God guiding me to seek him even further. I was very new to Redemption Church, and although I would see many of my intern peers every Sunday, having a mentor solidified my friendship with someone who could keep me accountable as a Christian. I struggled to trust God in so many ways, but especially as a stressed out college student. I struggled to trust God because I did not believe that he would forgive me for my daily sins. In the midst of these negative feelings, my mentor patiently and lovingly helped me make sense of the many misconceptions I had about what it meant to be the right kind of Christian. I learned about God's grace and how his death was so important for us as sinners. She catered to my needs and would sit with me every week and always, always, always turn to the Bible to answer my questions. I saw the incredible value and trust she put into God's word in every situation and part of her life. This was something I'd been missing in my life for a long time. I also learned how to pray openly and trust that God would hear me even as a sinner. What helped me even more was the vulnerability that my mentor showed me. I had the misconception that to be a good Christian, I had to be perfect. And with every sin, I was a step further away from God ever forgiving me. So why even try? My mentor opened up to me about her own struggles with sin and how it is a daily battle. It was a relief to know that I wasn't alone, but it also helped me to understand that we are all sinners and it is only through Jesus that we can be, ever be saved, not through our own works. It was through God and through this mentorship that I was able to fathom the magnitude of God's sacrifice for us. I thank God for such an amazing mentor. He has gifted me with an incredible friend and a sister in Christ that I love and admire, and I hope that all of redemption would take advantage of this, op- this loving opportunity that God has bestowed upon our church. So that's Mika. A couple other notes of this story is uh, um, Mika's family is of, of, of a different religion, and they're not stoked about her becoming a Christian. And so God is using this mentorship to love and care for Mika, Another thing is, I had to beg Lydia to become a mentor. She thought she couldn't be a mentor. She thought she didn't know enough. She wasn't sure. And I said, Lydia, I think you know more about the Bible than I do. And so uh, uh, she, uh, even though she was hesitant, she became a mentor. And clearly, Mika has been really, really impacted um, by this. All right, one more story. Uh, I want to close with a story from Sarah McMurdy who's been mentored by uh, Andy, who's on staff here. And uh, I just love this story from Sarah. If you want to put that picture of Andy and and Sarah. Uh, Sarah said this photo is cringe, um, but I could use it still. So that's what the kids are saying these days, cringe. Um, You guys look great, I promise. Um, So uh, this is what she said about Andy. She would have also shared... uh, Uh, here on stage if she could have, but she's not here today. And so she said this, if it weren't for my mentor, Andy, who has been my mentor since the first time I went to redemption my freshman year, I probably wouldn't even be a Christian anymore. I wasn't raised in a Christian home, but I found faith in high school. My parents aren't supportive of, of it at all, really. 
My mom being anti-religion makes it really hard to connect with her when I go home during school breaks. It also never, hoped that I, or never helped that I was a chemistry major with an incredibly tough course load. I didn't have a strong backbone in my faith, but I was desperately trying to cling to anything that would keep me closer to God. Andy was exactly what I needed. In addition to finding InterVarsity and on-campus ministry at NAU, Andy kept me accountable in maintaining my relationship with God in the times where I just didn't feel like I had the energy. She was also a shoulder to cry on. She listened to my anxieties and hurt, and instead of giving me advice that would help me to live a better life in the world's eyes, she brought my eyes back to God. Over time, it wasn't so scary to go home to a non-Christian household, and my academics were no, no longer where I put my hope in. The strength of my relationship with God today is so much due to Annie's constant presence in my life. She wasn't just my mentor, but she was also my friend, and I will never be able to thank God enough for giving me the bravery to go up to her and ask her to be my mentor. I had no idea it would turn, out in, turn into one of the most beautiful relationships I've ever had with a sister in Christ. I wouldn't be the person I am or even the Christian I am today without her constant love and guidance throughout the constant building and repairing of my relationship with God. Sarah, thank you so much uh, for your story uh, about Andy. And Andy, thank you so much for mentoring uh, faithfully. Thank you for being in Sarah's life. Thank you for taking care of her. Thank you for showing her who, who Jesus is. Andy, thank you for showing us who Jesus is. And I think I forgot to thank Lydia earlier. Lydia, thank you so much for being a mentor in our church. Thank you for showing us what it means to look like Jesus. So those are all the stories. And now I kind of want to just talk in the practical, like how do we do this as a church really quickly? Uh, there's, there's really a few ways we do this. We don't really have any rules for the best way to mentor, the right way to mentor. I have some suggestions and tips. Um, but basically, if you become a mentor at our church, I kind of send you a welcome email with uh, places to get started and how to do, do this and what kind of conversations to have and even to do the first time that you hang out. But then as it, as it kind of grows and how the intentional relationships look are all a little bit different. So there's a few ways. One of the ways is we just do one-on-one -on -one relationships. We get people in one-on-one -on -one relationships with each other where they're consistently in each other's lives, where maybe they're getting meals together, maybe they're getting coffee together. But I even suggest always that you try to invite your mentee into the natural rhythms of your life. Invite them to dinner at home. Invite them to go grocery shopping with your husband or whatever it might be. I don't know how that happened, but it did. And so... Invite them into the natural rhythms of your life so that um, you have more time and that's so they can see what it looks like to, to be Jesus in the everyday of life. Um, we also do something here called mentor tables. Uh, this I, I really love and I think is really powerful. It's where one mentor, uh, uh, disciples or mentors, two or three mentees at a time, and they all meet together uh, every other week or once a month or something like that, and they go through things together. And so um, for the mentor table, this is something we kind of resisted. A lot of mentees resist this. They're like, no, I need the one-on-one -on -one time. And, and maybe that's kind of true, but these mentor tables, I think, sometimes have the richest experiences of mentorship in our church and even in my own personal life and uh, in my wife's personal life when she's done that. Um, it just it adds something to it. And then it helps you as a mentee to see how your mentor would mentor someone through a particular situation, helping to equip you to one day be a mentor as well. Next, we have something called a peer mentor table. Now, a peer mentor table is this. What I began to realize is um, anyone in our church over 35, uh, they feel old at our church. And I get it. Um, and you are old. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 
No, they feel old at our church. And what's hard is when we do things like find a mentor Sunday, they're like, who's going to mentor me? And sometimes I do have somebody that's farther down the path or older that can mentor you. Uh, and, and that's great. And I, I love to get you in those sorts of relationships. But at some point, sometimes you're going to be the oldest Christian in the room. That's just what's going to happen. And maybe you're not the oldest, but you're one of the oldest. And so it's going to be harder for you to find a mentor. And so what I've began to do what we've started in the last couple months is something called a peer mentor table. The idea of this is we get three or four people together that are close together in age, and maybe there will be a point person of the table, but the idea of the table is that we will mentor each other. We are going to walk through this thing together, and we, were, we are going to be peers, but we're also going to mentor each other through, through life. And so if you're older here and you're like, man, that's just a bunch of stories, a bunch of college kids or, or, or all that, one, I would say, please return my emails, and then they wouldn't be. And then two, I would say, hey, we do have these other options where we can get you in groups with people that some might be older, some might be a little bit younger, but these peer mentor tables. Um, so that's kind of the, the biggest ways that we do mentoring. And so once you become a mentor, I send you resources monthly, I, I equip you, I'm available to meet with you. But now we're going to actually do the find a part of Find a Mentor Sunday. And so I want to invite up anyone that knows that they're doing this. I, you should have gotten an email from me um, or I've talked to in person. Will you come up right now on stage? Will you guys welcome them up? These are any new mentors in our church, the new mentors of our church. You guys can just line up like a straight line this way. All right, so um, this is the part of the Sunday that we, we do twice a year, and um, this is the part where you could potentially find a mentor. And so what they're going to do right now is I'm going to give them the microphone. They're going to take 30 seconds to 45, and if you know you're long-winded, say less and a lot less and a lot less. Um, and they're going to introduce themselves. They're going to say maybe a little bit about their life. And they're going to say maybe their vision for mentorship, whether it's like one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's a, a peer, uh, or not peer, but whether it's a mentor table or, or something else. And so I'll let them take the mic and introduce themselves. And then after the service, they're going to stand in front of the stage. And you guys are going to be able to walk up to them and just ask them uh, to, if they would be your mentor. And if you say it like, will you be my mother, like that book, it's funnier. Um, so, before I actually let them introduce themselves, one last thing. Mentees in the church, I'll say this. Sometimes the hardest part about mentoring is, as a mentee, and I'm speaking for myself sometimes, we treat our mentor like a, an item to be consumed, and we become consumers. And we think, how can they make me better? How can they make my life better? And we really need to go into this thinking, they're going to help me become like Jesus. And sometimes when they tell me what it means to be like Jesus, it's not going to make my life better in the worldly sense. Okay? And so just something to know. So I'll have you guys take it away. Introduce yourself. Say a tiny bit about who you are and your, kind of your vision for mentorship. My name is Michael. Um, I'm a, uh, I've been married for about 20 years. I have three boys between 12 and 17, and my preference for mentorship is in the rhythm or throes of life. Yeah. In other words, you help me work on my house, I help you work on your car, maybe we go for a run together because it's important to stay fit. And uh, I'm also an engineer, and so I have that bit of a mindset, so sometimes socially awkward. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Perfect.
Okay, and I'm losing my voice, so forgive me on that. Uh, my name's Kylie. Um, I just moved here two months ago. Um, before that, um, I was serving with a Christian ministry called Crew um, in the U.S. and then in the country of Lebanon um, for 10 months. Um, and so that's where I just moved from. Um, I'm going back to school for another four years for my two bachelors. Um, and I, uh, just my time with Crew and uh, before that in college, I loved um, being a part of girls' lives and being able to mentor and disciple them and just come alongside them. And so um, whether that's one-on-one -on -one or in a group, um, I'm totally flex, um, but I just, I love being a part of that. So, yeah. My name is Brandon. I'm a pastoral intern here, and I just like hanging out with guys. Can you hear me now? <laughs> I'm really bad with these things. Um, but... Yeah, so my vision is I just want to get a table together, and I like reading the Bible and just going through it and pouring through it and helping others um, while getting help myself with it. So if you want to be a part of a kind of a table, just come up. Hi, I'm Theo Trotman. I work at NAU. Mentorship means a lot to me, so I'm originally from Barbados, and I've been poured into a lot by a lot of mentors when I left Barbados. And... Right now, I just haven't passed that on, so I'm just looking for that opportunity. Um, yeah, this is me, so. Hi, I'm Ellen. I've been married three and a half years now. No human children, but we have six guinea pigs. Uh, uh, yeah, it's kind of fun. Um, I enjoy embroidery, cross-stitching, hiking, and I love, love languages, so dictionaries are great fun. Are great fun. Um, I prefer doing one-on-one -on -one stuff and just challenging each other to be better children and daughters of God. All right, everyone's so concise. Pray for me. Okay, my name is JD. I'm a uh, graduate student. I'm getting my MFA degree in creative writing from the Institute of American Indian Art. Um, I, I mean, I'm also a, a manager at the Van Skate Shop at the mall, which is tight. Um, um, so, um, uh, but, but, oh my God, I know, yeah, sorry. Um, so when I think of mentorship, I really want to develop both the spiritual and just more the practical side. Um, so I want to, you know, grow together, do everything in community. I want to grow together in, in our prayer lives, in our ability, um, to have vulnerability, um, and also to, uh, find out what it means, I guess, to serve our city well. And then more on the practical side, I'd say if you're somebody who needs help with like organizational skills, I keep a really tight scheduler and planner. Um, if you just need to, uh, I don't know, tighten up your, your swag or you need to, uh, um, you know, learn to straighten your room, like <laughs> things like that, practical things like that. So let's do life together. Um, let's uh, play sports. Let's uh, cry. I don't know. I'm going to pass the mic now. Okay. Thank you. Hi, I'm Larry. Um, my wife's supposed to be here, but she's at a Bible conference, so I, I get 45 extra seconds to say something about it. No, you don't. But I've, never, right. <laughs> I've never spoken for as little as 45 seconds in my life, so forget well, it. Uh, <laughs> God moves in powerful ways. <laughs> <laughs> I've been married for 36 years. Um, in fact, my wife and I knew each other for 10 years before that, and we just had our 46-year anniversary last month when we met. Uh, my degree is in religious studies and... <clears throat> 
people nowadays, my generation, my parents' generation, they all lived, I mean, there was almost nobody who got divorced. Now people look at me with shock and fall over when I say I've been married 36 years, but kind of sadly. Uh, my degree was in religious studies and philosophy with a minor in New Testament Greek. Um, I do have a question um, yes. for Anthony. I read a lot of preachers' sermons like Spurgeon and yes. T.C. Ryle, and I've never heard any of them use the word stoked. Stoked. Just, yeah, Spurgeon in his later years uh, <laughs> used it. Okay. Some... Um, I guess you're supposed to kind of know who I am so you know whether it's worth spending any time with me. So there's three things I thought of immediately. Um, for anybody who struggles a little bit with depression or with anxiety, I was, I guess I'd say am manic depressive, um, but for the last five years, God's lifted that from me. But for over 30 years, I was hospitalized a number of times and went through a lot. So, and I should say I put my wife through a lot, so she now is a very patient person. <laughs> um, secondly, I read everything in the world in pre pretty much every subject. Um, and third, I have a very weird sense of humor. So. If you want to hang out with a manic depressive pseudo-intellectual who has a weird sense of humor, I probably pick him up. Well, you put it that way. Um, all right, so I'm Becca. Anthony kind of shared my story a little bit, but um, I'm really looking for maybe one or two individuals. Um, I benefited a lot from one-on-one -on -one mentorship, um, and I really want to pour it into someone else like that. Um, I also study science. I like science. Um, I know we can be few and far between in the church sometimes. So um, I'm re really into biology. So uh, you can nerd out with me on that too. So. Awesome. Morning. My name is Ryan. Um, I'm a last semester nursing student. Thank God. Um, and I just got married this summer. My wife can't be here, but she's also going to be a mentor. Um, and I'm really interested in the outdoors. I love hiking, climbing, rock climbing. Um, all the above. Um, and I'm just looking for like a one guy or a group of guys to kind of just walk through life together and learn what it means to be a man of God. Hey, I'm Ben. Uh, I've been, um, I'm married, uh, 33, have a two-year-old and a newborn baby. Uh, I've been uh, mentoring RJ for a little while now and uh, just been really blessed uh, with that relationship and uh, learned a lot more from him to where it's almost like a, you know, a peer mentoring type of thing. And we'd like to open it up for a couple uh, other guys, maybe one, maybe two, uh, any stage of life. Um, you know, I'm 33, RJ's like 26. Um, maybe some of the guys that don't really feel like they, uh, they could be a mentor yet or kind of in that gray area you know we'd love to have you um and yeah sometimes guys just need that band of brothers you know to open up to like grow and uh yeah between me and rj we cover a lot of hobbies and bases rj looks for snakes and you know rock climbs and i'm an engineer and any kind of sport and hunting and fishing and so uh yeah, any of you guys that want to work through uh, sin issues or, or just, you know, looking for a friend, you know, we'd love to have you. Um, I'm Kaylee. I am on staff here at Redemption, and then I work for AZ-127 as well. So if you're into social work and what does it mean to be um, faith 
and integrate into care for people in our community. So if you're passionate about our community, if you want to learn more about how to serve kids, if you, I will probably have you volunteer at some of our events, so just be prepared for that. Um, but really, what does it look like to love Jesus and demonstrate the gospel in um, receiving that in my own life, but also in um, being that in, in our community is really important to me. So, yeah. All right, thanks. All right, so this is our mentors. Give them a hand. Um, and you guys, actually, you can just leave. Um, you guys can go off the stage. Will you guys give them a hand as they leave the stage? Thank you. And uh, that's all we have. So they're going to be up here. Uh, we, we have worship still, but they're going to be up here at the end of the service, right after the service. They're going to be in the front of the stage. And so if there's someone you felt like you connected with, please um, talk to them. I'm going to pray for us. We normally have a reflection time, but due to time, I'm going to just move us right into response right after. Will you guys pray with me? We can bring the lights down for worship and all that good stuff. God, thank you um, for this. Thank you for this mentorship program. Thank you for this Find a Mentor Sunday. Who, he, even I, a few weir- years ago, thought it, it would be weird to do or that we shouldn't. Um, and God, you just showed me how powerful this is and how much it, is, it should be a rhythm and a, even like a posture that we take as Christians. And so, God, thank you so much um, that you, that when you came to earth, you, you mentored all kinds of people and they in turn have mentored others who have in turn at some point mentored us. And so, God, thank you. Let us, through this mentorship program, draw near to you and know you more and be more like you in this city. God, we, we love you. We thank you. We need you. Amen.